Welcome to Murder Most Foul, a podcast devoted to exploring famous murder cases of our time. Some solved, some unsolved, but all fascinating and guaranteed to raise the hairs on the back of your neck. I'm your host, Jim Solonowski. Today's episode... Watch Me Die. Watch Me Die by Dr. Bill Kimberlin. Provocative title, provocative subject. In researching his book, Dr. Kimberlin not only spent time interviewing death row inmates, but also ate meals with them, and in some cases was the last person to speak with them before they were executed. From the moment they are placed on suicide watch until the moment they are pronounced dead right in front of him, Kimberlin walks you through the twisted and complex execution process in the state of Ohio. Their writings, their artwork, and their own words puts the reader in the room with these dangerous killers. Nothing is off-limits, and there is nothing to shield Kimberlin from the same hands that have taken countless lives, leaving Kimberlin himself asking, Will this be my last trip to death row? Dr. Bill Kimberlin joins us now on Murder Most Foul. Welcome, Bill. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on here, so I appreciate it. So um, we are going to discuss your book. You'll tell me a little bit about first about yourself. I know you have some credentials, which I, I've come across a lot of different kinds of psychological credentials of uh, masters, PhDs, actual doctors, etc. And uh, I didn't call you doctor. I don't know if officially you have and on your on your calling card but tell us uh about your background and sort of what got you into this sure so my background is um, pretty diverse in the social sciences so i have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and sociology uh, my master's degree is in counseling and then my doctorate is in psychology. So yes, I am a doctor in psychology. Um, I do not practice psychology, uh, but I, I do have a doctor in psychology. Um, and um, so what got me involved in death row was uh, teaching at the college level. And I always said I would never be uh, the, the type of professor to teach book smarts only. And in teaching a lot of the courses such as abnormal psychology and uh, social psychology, we always came across the uh, hottest debatable topics, gun rights, abortion rights, legalization of drugs, and then of course, uh, capital punishment. And I was fortunate enough to know a lot about um, the other topics, hunted all my life. So, you know, the guns were not an issue. Uh, traveled different countries all over, knew a lot about the different drug laws. Uh, when it came to capital punishment, though, I wasn't, I wasn't that well educated in it. And uh, 
throughout my research, I discovered that the majority of people were not educated on it. They had just read about it and then had written about it. So I decided uh, with uh, the help of my one of my best friends, Roger Bennett, who's a common police court judge, uh, got the number to uh, the attorney general's office in the state of Ohio at the time. I called, asked them if I could uh, be put in a, a drawing, a lottery. I don't know what they do for an execution, but I need to get in and talk to death row people and, and do something. And they hung up, hung up on me, which I thought was kind of rude. So I called back. Um, luckily, they felt sorry enough for me after me asking that question. And she literally said, I, I've never had this asked before, but the Ohio Revised Code, like most states, sets it very strictly who can partake in an execution. So three people on the defendant side, three on the state side, uh, and that's it. Uh, but since you've asked, we're going to send you the Ohio Revised Code and the list of everybody scheduled to be executed. If you find any loopholes, good luck. So they did. I did. Found some loopholes. Um, I wrote a couple inmates uh, on uh, death row to see if they would be willing to talk to me. Um, next thing I know, they're inviting me down. We're sitting there one-on-one, -on -one, um, talking, laughing, whatever. And the next thing I know, they're asking me if I want to witness their execution. And it just mushroomed from there. So originally, I only intended to do this, you know, once or twice, go to death row, learn about it, be done with it so I could educate the students enough without being just book smart. Uh, and that's been about 14 years ago now. One of the things, now again, you make it clear in your book, um, Watch Me Die, that uh, you're not psychoanalyzing the people, you're not, you know, you're, you're interviewing, you're observing and writing about. Um, one of the things right from the beginning that really, you know, the, things in the book, and I do recommend people with the book, because I guarantee you, you have a perception, as I did, of death row, the same as what we see um, from movies back in the, it's nothing to do with death row, but back in the 20s, the 30s, all the way up to the present with the thick glass and you're on the phone. You were in many cases in a room, maybe all cases across a table or in a, uh, you know, a, a recreational room, you know, with, with uh, um, machines with food, you know, with the vending machines, and sometimes not even an officer in the room. Um, and just chatting and I'm thinking, okay, this guy's got nothing to lose. If we think they're all, you know, psycho, why doesn't he just jump across the table? This might be fun. Now you're a big guy, but jump across the table and decide he's going to kill you. Am uh, I missing something here? No, that, that thought crossed my mind many a times. Uh, and it still does. I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, you know, fear keeps you, um, oriented uh, and you don't want to get complacent on death row because they have nothing to lose. Uh, in fact, one of the inmates told me flat out that the guards will let anybody in on death row. Uh, we decide if you get to go home or not, you know, it's their house. So I respect them. They respect me, but there are no handcuffs. There are no shackles. I eat with them. I drink with them, um, walk around with them, do whatever. Um, and uh, eventually um, watch them die.
Now, the prison that you, 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 was it exclusively that Ohio system, correct? The book is primarily on Ohio's system. Um, and their, their <laughs> mode of uh, execution is lethal injection. Is that correct? Correct. Um, as it stands right now, they're looking to possibly implement the firing squad um, to replace lethal injection. I think South Carolina just did um, activate uh, that method of, of execution. Um, but yeah, uh, Ohio, and at the time I started, death rows, you know, it went from Lucasville to uh, Mansfield to uh, Youngstown to Chillicothe. Uh, so uh, even Ohio, they, they moved death row, death row around a lot. Uh, but the death house still stayed in Lucasville. Uh, so everybody gets transported down there prior to the execution. And that's where the death chamber is. So, um, yes, it's... Uh, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, in fact, it's went from Ohio now to, you know, California, Florida. You do cover this in your book as sort of a, 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 a prelogue, a prologue that, um, you know, going through the list is some people may forget and think they're not around anymore. We still have old Sparky. Yes. The electric chair is still in the country. We have gas chamber. We have lethal injection. We have hanging. In fact, interesting sidebar. Um, I covered a case that was the last uh, death penalty case in Rhode Island, which was back in like 1720 or something. We haven't done it in a long time. It was a hanging. And the, it, uh, time always, you know, brings to four things. It was probably the person did not commit the murder. And we have the firing squad, which the only one I, of course, remember is Gary, Gary Gilmore. Um, or, wait a minute. Wasn't... Um, um, Oklahoma, didn't he also do firing squad? Uh, uh, the Oklahoma, uh, the bombing of the, the Mira building. So Timothy McVeigh. Timothy McVeigh, I think, was also a, a yeah. by, by firing squad. So uh, Timothy McVeigh was on federal death row. So, um, so not every state has the death penalty, but the federal government can supersede. So they will put them to death in Terre Haute, Indiana only, and it's lethal injection. Uh, I just had an inmate, uh, the only female federal death row inmate in the entire country. She was mine. Uh, she was just executed in January of this year, Lisa Montgomery. I was supposed to attend that one, but due to COVID and everything else, um, that was not uh, permitted. And uh, yeah, she was the first female executed at the federal level in, I think, 70 years. What was her what was her uh, particular murder crime? Um, hers was she had sought out a victim to. Um, uh, I don't want to say kidnap, but uh, she, the lady was selling puppies. She went under the guise of going in there to purchase a puppy. The woman was eight and a half months pregnant. Um, she killed the woman. Uh, cut the baby out, kidnapped the baby, and took off. So. Okay, we're going to go look her up later. But yes, I remember her, Lisa, right? Lisa Montgomery. Yeah. Now, again, we can, and it's in the book, and people can also even go further. Uh, there have been films uh, uh, of, you know, very graphic films of gas chamber. I mean, drama films, not documentaries. Sure. Um, of gas chamber, and then there was a young boy who was 14 or 15 back in the forties, I believe. And they did a movie, you know, I mean, God bless that actor, the boy who played, I mean, they literally, they didn't cut away. They showed him being fried. 
And so we know there's this long period of time before something happens with review with uh, appeals and whatnot. But eventually it gets to that day, doesn't it? It does. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a deer in headlights when they are brought to the execution chamber. They've been given so many phantom dates over the years that they just don't take it serious. Uh, like this is going to be the final day. Um, and, uh, you know, all of my guys in Ohio, when I started this, uh, I made them admit that they were guilty before I would ever even talk to them. You know, I explained it right off the bat that I'm in the field of psychology. I'm looking to get into that criminal mind of yours to figure out, if possible, what got you here um, and what's going to lead you to ultimately your death. Um, if you think that you are not guilty, then you need to talk to an attorney or somebody else, not me. I'm not here to save you. I'm not here to counsel you, um, but I am here to learn from you. And um, by being upfront and honest with them like that, that's what set off this chain of events where I was getting requests all the time. Uh, and I think I have maybe six or seven more uh, requests to witness their executions. I think I have one coming up uh, here in the state of Florida with electric chair um, within the next six months, I believe. Again, one of them, let's talk about Mr. Sapp. Is it SAPP? Yes. William and yes. just the thing, I tried to light his mother on fire. Um, he saved items uh, from the kills, including in one case, a nipple. Correct. And we're saying like this yeah. person is, is enough contact of reality that they can understand they're being put to death. Yes. It, it, it's <sighs> baffling, you know, when you, when you sit there and think about it. Um, but, you know, the way the McNaughton rule reads is, do they know right from wrong? And did they know it was wrong when they did it? And these guys, they do. Whether it's, you know, Dennis Rader, if I'm talking to him at the time, or Charles Ng or, or whomever, you know, Samuel Little, they, they all knew right from wrong, and they knew what they were doing was wrong. So, therefore, the, the legal definition of insanity um, was not met, and they are competent, but there's something biologically wrong with their brain chemistry. There's, there's no doubt in my mind on that. Now, and you do, again, going through, that's why it's so great in the book, they're, they're, you know, the chapters by different, uh, there's sometimes a couple of uh, individuals covered in a, in a chapter where you um, were surprised because what they talked about was not, you know, like their end of their life and they, you know, want to make right or whatever. They're just, you know, well, you know, what's the weather like? What's, you know, what's the politics? I mean, did you talk politics with, with any? I mean, it was normal day-to-day -day stuff like, eh, the, you know, breakfast today sucked. The one thing I've learned over the years of doing this is patience with, with these individuals. So, um, the, the least amount of questions I ask them, the more they tell me. You, know, you have one mouth and two ears, so that's how I uh, approach it. Um, there would be hours that we would sit there, and yes, they are very well-versed in politics because typically, um, you know, capital punishment is swayed politically, uh, conservative and liberal. So they, they know who's running for governor at the time and, and who they would want 
supported based on the death penalty and, and their beliefs. Um, we talk about the weather. Every, I mean, I think I had six or eight emails today from different inmates in, in states, and they're asking me everything from, you know, how the house hunting is going in Florida to uh, you name it. So they are, uh, you know, the, the, at some point they get to question me like, okay, when are you going to ask me about these murders? And then I play it off like, oh, okay, yeah, if, we, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. So it's, you know, it's kind of like a reverse psychology where you, you know, it's a mind manipulation game. They're always wanting to be in control. Um, and you allow them to believe that they're in control and you let them take the conversation the way they want. And, uh, and eventually you get to the point where you're here, at least I am, uh, I can call them out on things and joke with them and everything else. And especially with their artwork and, and things like that. So, uh, we just have a really good, um, working rapport with one another while at the same time I, I never lie to them and I never disrespect them. And also again there is there is examples uh, in the book of photographs of art. A lot of uh, inmates even not on death row are into art, painting, pencil, whatever. Some whether the the subject matter is disturbing the technique in a lot of cases is very good. Um, so there, you know, were a couple strange ones in there, and one that the, the guy supposedly uh, painted with his own semen. Correct. So I get, uh, I probably have, I don't know, maybe a thousand eight hundred pieces of art laying around. You know, my uh, thank God, my wife is uh, uh, organized enough to try to keep them, you know, piled in certain rooms and organized. But uh, yeah. It, sometimes it'll be human blood. Other times it'll be semen. Other times it's oil on canvas, uh, pencil drawing. I mean, some of them are very beautiful. Other ones are just disgusting looking. Um, and I, I think I got six or seven of them in the mail uh, just yesterday. And they were, there were nothing to really look at. I, I look at them. I, I set them to the side and you know, next thing you know, my wife is, okay, are you ever going to get this stuff off the table? And yeah, okay. <laughs> so I, there is, um, there are certain boundaries you set um, with yourself and these individuals, um, because I do have male and female death row inmates that I, that I deal with. Um, and while they may consider me uh, a confidant or close friend or whatever, I do not look at them that way at all. I see them as a, a subject. Um, I, I, that's why I just shake my head at a lot of these people out here that want to do this as a hobby. Uh, and you know, they'll, sometimes the young women, they'll bat their eyelashes and, and head off to death row and think that they can solve the world's problems by getting into their mind. And, and they have no idea that these guys and women are master manipulators. This is what they do all day long every day until they die uh so it's um and there's really not any specific classes that you can take to to, to major in serial killers or you know uh, death row but uh I, i've been very fortunate over the years um you know both safety wise and uh learning from these individuals uh you know what boundaries to cross and not cross. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, 
I, I would hate to see people put themselves in a, in a situation that they can't get out of because when I say that they know everything about you, they know everything about you. That's why you never lied to them. So when, uh, uh, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, higher profile serial killers have, have gotten in touch with me, um, they'll ask me questions or they'll, uh, they'll send me notes, say, hey, I'm going to have you checked out. If you check out, uh, I'm going to write you. And so they know everything about you before you ever uh, see them or talk to them. So when they ask you questions, you, you need to be honest because they already know the answer. Now, obviously, some of the people, uh, I'm assuming some of the, the uh, prisoners you followed early, maybe, and, and, and did you do a lot of them, you know, early and then like very close to it? Some of them, maybe you hit them just before they went. Did you have a you know kind of arc of of interviews, different kinds of so, interviews? Yeah, so I didn't know what I was doing at first. I mean, uh, you know, it was a hit and miss uh, when I uh, started going to death row mm-hmm. without even knowing, you know, who was going to be executed and when. Because even the executions I'd been a part of all the way through, I, there were some that I had um, stays where they would give a stay in your you're in limbo. Uh, so, you know, I, I have talked to some of these inmates now for, well, probably at least 10 years, some of them. And, uh, you know, whenever their date is final and set, you know, in stone, then, then I'll probably, you know, attend their execution unless it's at the point where I wind this career part up and, and be done with it completely. So, so um, uh, take us uh, into the death chamber. Um, what was, um, you know, what was the protocol on a, a day of an actual me- execution? Sure. So, no, you never come in contact with uh, the other uh, individuals on the state's side. So uh, you're, uh, to try to put it in perspective, there's three regular seats side by side in a really tiny room where myself, an attorney, and clergyman would be seated in front of the window. There's a small partition, and on the other side, there would be three. Uh, typically, it's the prosecutor or any other surviving victims or family members. Standing up behind us would be the reporters, the AP, sometimes the, the local press. They're taking notes of how you're reacting to the execution or anything like that. Um, but there's no, it's like hearing a pin drop the entire time. You can hear the, the pencils moving on the, on the notepads, uh, which sounds really loud. Um, but, uh, the, the three that are for the state are led into the death, uh, chamber first. And then I would follow them separately with the other two individuals. Then when it's it's all said and done. We would exit first and then they would leave. And everybody's in two different debriefing rooms prior to and then afterwards. So you never come in contact with them. But you did speak, uh, I believe you did speak to some family members if you through your time after the fact or maybe even before the fact to get any input from them? Or was it simply your uh, modus operandi was with, with the prisoner himself? Yes, yeah, so I've never spoken to any of the victims' families uh, prior to or after an execution. Uh, I've never spoken to um, the prosecution 
correction or anybody along those lines. I, I deal with only the inmates. Uh, typically, I end up, uh, I get stuck with the defense attorneys in the, uh, the debriefing room prior to the execution, uh, but I very rarely speak to them. Uh, I, I'm just taking notes. I, I, unless they ask me, I never even introduce myself. I just sit there and uh, observe. And uh, so, no, I've always dealt with just the, the inmate uh, themselves, very, very, very little contact with any guards. I don't like to be seen talking to the guards because of the situations and, and knowing that those guys can turn on a dime. So, uh, Tell us about Francis Ann. So Interesting Francis, case. Yeah, so Francis Ann was originally Frank Spizak. And Frank Spizak had the looks of uh, Adolf Hitler when he went to trial, the mustache and everything. He was a, a little uh, petite white guy, basically, who wanted to be the head of the Aryan Brotherhood, the next Adolf Hitler, stormed into, I think, Cleveland State University and, and shot, and I don't know, killed like five people or something like that. So fast forward to being placed on death row, uh, the next thing you know, Frank Spizak, who hated everybody unless you were white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, a wasp in, in his mind, based on the um, Aryan Brotherhood, uh, turns out that he wants to have the gender reassignment surgery, changes his name uh, to Francis Ann, uh, has an African-American minister, and is openly gay on death row. So, I mean, you talk about a complete 180. There's Frank Spizak, a.k.a. Francis Ann. Um, and, yeah, he was... Uh, Interesting to say the least. You're watching, and one of the things I think that I found interesting, you're watching everything that's happening. You're watching the mechanics of getting the, the person prepared and into the room, uh, the, you know, the actual act, as it were, how some of them go fast, some of them take, take an hour. It, we're all, again, we're talking about lethal injection. Your comment about some of the defense attorneys was interesting that most of them you, you to you seemed that you know their interest was well you know i got a luncheon or something are they going to start this on time isn't it like at least one said when does this start rather than your thought was man aren't why aren't they in there you know calling the governor and you know and they're just like you know well this is a fait accompli uh when can i get out of here you know i was i was completely caught off guard each time that i've been in execution uh because I, like many people, have watched a lot of movies, and you see them filing last-minute appeals. You're, you're thinking the Supreme Court's going to come through, the, the governor's going to call, or, or something, and it should be uh, organized chaos in that you know, room. But it's it's not. It's these guys and female attorneys are talking about what they had for dinner last night, what, what they had planned for the weekend, you know, where did you guys stay, everything else. And yeah, I had one attorney, she asked me if, you know, do they ever start these early? And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, why in the hell would you ask a question like that? Shouldn't you be trying to get it delayed? Um, I, I can remember the first execution, it was going horribly wrong. And uh, I even told the attorney, don't, 
don't you think you should get up and, and do something? And this is inside the death chamber. And he's like, well, I, I don't know. What, what do you think I should do? I'm like, I, I, dude, I don't know. I'm not the attorney, but I'm, I think you should at least act like you should do something. So he gets up and, and tries to go in there to see if they can, you know, do something. And he comes back and he said, no, they said it can't do anything. I'm like, no. Okay, well, way to put up a fight. Um, so yeah, I was um, <laughs> I was just shocked. You know, it, well, it's, it's and, and 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 watching the system as you did, uh, and again, it's 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 in the it's in you know your discussion over certain parts of the book. Uh, Watch me die. Uh, last words from death row. You do uh, sort of stay on the edges of opinion. On the on the major on the the issue of the death penalty and and part of that I'm I'm assuming is because you're an academic and you're approaching this uh, from an academic standpoint. Are you going to I mean what, do you want to at least share what's in the you know more concise than I than I have read and can regurgitate you know in thirty seconds or more much as time as you need what. What have you come away with as far as uh, uh, not necessarily even opinion, but an ob observation of it in, in, in practice? Sure. So I've been asked that question, you know, a million times, you know, if I'm for it or against it. And, um, and my answer is always the same. It's, it's irrelevant on what my opinion is. My whole uh, object of putting this book out was so people could come to an educated opinion themselves. Instead of when somebody asks another person, are you for or against the death penalty? And one says, oh, I'm for it. I could, you know, flip the switch. I can inject the drug or pull the trigger. Another one says, you know, oh, I, I'm totally against it. But they can't really say why. And I just wanted to lay the facts out there so people can make an educated decision one way or another. Um, and coming out of um, the process that I've got to uh, see over the years and, and, you know, multiple executions. Yeah, the system is very flawed. It's, it's very broken. Uh, I'm not certain it's not even broken beyond repair. Uh, but, you know, I do question, you know, why uh, the most powerful nation in the world has to have this type of penalty, if we can't come to, let me put it this way. At the beginning of the show, you, you mentioned all the different methods of execution. Uh, you know, we have four or five different methods. We have 30 some states that are for the death penalty. The rest, you know, are against it. We have the federal government uh, encompassing it all. We can't even agree on, you know, an educational system. We can't agree on healthcare system. We can't agree on anything. And we still can't even agree on the, the most, you know, uh, ultimate form of punishment. And if you can't even come to a consensus on that, if states are arguing which way is the best way and everything else, then maybe we need to take a step back and ask if we're asking the right question. I would think that's the least we can do. Um, what are the uh, actual physical steps in the execution process? When you go to an execution, um, there are no doctors or nurses involved because of the oath that they take. The two people that you never get to see are the executioner and the physician that is there to pronounce the body dead um, or with the crash cart in case the phone rings on the wall. 
because there is a phone on the wall in case the governor calls. Um, you know, if anybody's ever had a major surgery and they meet with the anesthesiologist, it, there's a lot of science and physics and everything that go to it. Here in an execution, everybody's getting the same drug. Uh, other, uh, another thing people don't realize is the method of execution that we utilize isn't uh, isn't for the the person on the table being executed. They they're doing that for the witnesses' behalf. They 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 want to when the first drug that's typically uh, injected is sodium pentothal, which will render the the person unconscious. The second one is pancurium bromide, which is a paralyzation agent. Um, that what that is designed to do is paralyze the body. So even though they can feel everything, they can't move or react because they're paralyzed. And then the third drug that is in, in introduced is potassium chloride, which causes the heart to go into cardiac arrest. But since people are different shapes and sizes and there's no doctors involved or anesthesiologists or anything like that, some of the drugs will wear off before the others. So in my case, the very first one, the pancurium bromide, the paralyzation agent wore off prior to uh, the potassium chloride stopping the heart. The body's natural defense mechanisms kick in, convulsions set in, the gasping for air and everything else. So um, it, it's, uh, it, it's not like you see in the movies or like watching an animal being put to sleep or euthanized. It's uh, even the lethal injection could be uh, pretty violent. But if the concept, if your thought is that uh, the person not only, okay, we don't want them in society and we were afraid of they're going to escape or something if we did, you know, life without parole. All right. If you really think they must be removed from the planet, both either as safety or as punishment, that's fine. That's your, that's your take. I just don't understand the brutality. And, and, and it's, it's easy to say, well, he, you know, strangled my daughter and raped my daughter. And, you know, why? I understand that, but I'm, I'm not a big eye for an eye. So if we have come to the point either that they, we don't want to warehouse them, we want to end their existence on this planet, which in some cases in their lives is probably better than continuing 20 years. In, but, you know, okay, we feel better as victims, not a society as victims. And we can't let victims run the justice system is, is, you know, you may, somebody robs your house and you may want them dead or rapes your daughter. You may want them. Well, that's not what the law says. So it's not just what feels good for the victim. So I draw the line at torture. Why don't we just draw and quarter them? You know, there's, um, there was a Supreme Court justice many years ago who said that uh, the constitution protects us from cruel and unusual punishment, but it doesn't say that it shouldn't hurt. So there's that side of the argument. Um, And and there are others. And and, and this is where we as a society need to step back as a whole and and question the totality of it. Because if if what we're doing is really trying to make it appear humane, even though it's not, then what does that say about us? If we're so for the death penalty, then it should be more transparent. It should be available to be seen by all and it should be done in in the normal fashion so if i or you or somebody else is is on the jury and we are 
unanimously voting to put this person to death, then we ought to be prepared to watch that person die. And it should not be so um, secretive. And then maybe it shouldn't would... also, uh, in other words, secretive is good and antiseptic, antiseptic. Right. Uh, it should not be, uh, you know, that antiseptic. It should be what it is. And they, they sterilize it way too much. Yes. And and in doing so, they they think that they're doing society a favor and it's really doing a injustice. Now, one of the, the, the new this is being recorded on. November 2nd of 2021, and you probably have read that uh, Virginia has commuted uh, the last two, uh, Virginia with all the stuff with the, the election today. But aside from that, they have commuted the last two folks, I, I think they're males, on death row uh, to life uh, without parole. And so they are the, the state, uh, another state, the most recent state to end the death penalty. Always can be brought back, but it's being ended at this point. And they were, which was interesting, I, the number was pretty high. They were the second highest death penalty uh, state, uh, uh, going back to like 1608 when there was in Jamestown, Virginia. But they were, I don't, who's the first? You know, they didn't mention in the news. Um, yeah, the, the three top states were, have always been Florida, Texas, and Virginia. There you go. And, <laughs> I wouldn't uh, be surprised. I mean, right. I shouldn't be surprised. And, and you do have to look at the political uh, makeup of the red states and the blue states because right. it, it very much is a political um, uh, topic, and it shouldn't be. It's, it's a no. human topic. It is. Um, but they do uh, – they use that on their soapbox a lot of times to um, get them elected, and that's unfortunate. Well, Bill, this has been an enlightening and a very fascinating um, discussion, and uh, I hope it leads my audience to want to uh, in investigate this further and certainly get the book. So uh, why don't you tell them how they can do that? I appreciate that. So the publisher is uh, Wild Blue Press uh, Publishers. Uh, they have the book out as well as Amazon and, and probably not number of other stores uh people can find me on facebook under bill kimberlin instagram the same way uh and uh you know i post a lot of artwork from different inmates on there i never really uh put their name out there i don't like to glorify them or or anything like that but uh you know if people instant message me every now and then ask me who the artist was i'll tell them uh but uh, you know i'll answer everybody's questions uh, you know uh, my, my wife gets fed up with my phone going off sometimes because I try to respond to every single person uh, and, and it can get uh, bothersome sometimes, but uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy the questions. So what you simply present is what they presented to you. Correct. And we, it's up to the public after reading what you, you know, capsulize as an, as you know, your interviews and your interaction for them to decide what of that is human what, or even if they're they're dissembling, that's part of being human too. So they may be monsters, you can accept that, but you should still, I think, hear from them as monsters, knowing, you know, a lot of us don't know when that death is coming. And they are right. speaking at the moment. And like you said, you haven't included anyone who claims I didn't do it. So right. they're at least, they may not be asking for forgiveness or whatever, but they're saying, yeah, I did this. 
and you're trying to maybe a little bit around the edges figure out if anyone can why right and so far i have not been able to do that i've found out that they are the only common denominator is they're all dangerously normal they could be your next door neighbor your coworker, um your friend and uh the 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 serial killers that have killed the most blend in so they don't have tattoos on their forehead to say i'm a serial killer um and um yeah so it's 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 been a journey and it's been a, a, a an educational one at that and it's still going on so i would tell everybody to stay tuned um and we right. will uh you know go from there great all right well again i want to thank you bill i want you to you're having a a good evening down you're down there in florida right Absolutely. Down in Florida. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so again, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Murder Most Foul. Thank you. And once again, I'd like to thank you, my loyal listeners. I hope you found today's episode interesting. And if so, I hope you'll tell your friends, spread the word. Um, anyone can visit my website, which is murdermostfoul.com. That's Murder Most Foul, all one word, no caps, no spaces. And there, there's a link to my email where you can leave comments or maybe even cases you'd like me to look at. So um, until we meet again, stay safe. And for God's sakes, don't murder anyone. Uh -huh.